Hello once again, emerging cricket fans, and welcome to EC Live again this Thursday night. Uh, you're watching this across Facebook. It will be uploaded later on on YouTube as well, just in case any of your friends or family miss it live. I'm Daniel Bezik. I'll be joined by Tim Cutler in a few moments to discuss some news that has broken over the last 24 hours in the world of the ICC. A couple of promos to get through first before we do talk about that. Our podcast drops tomorrow. We're speaking to Danish legend Freddie Clocker on the show, discussing a range of topics from his playing days, uh, being an MCC young cricketer at Lords, uh, to his county stint and his two-decade-long stint in the Danish national team. He's also doing a lot of promotional work and some coaching throughout the under-19 elite level of his home country. It's a great chat. Uh, Nick Skinner, the third member of our podcast, is feverishly editing that to make sure it is crystal clear for all of you guys wherever you are listening around the world and one more promo to get through is patreon make sure from as little as two dollars us a month you can gain extended versions of podcasts like our one with freddie clocker and a catalog of all of our backdated shows as well as other exclusive content the main news that we want to discuss tonight on this ec live is, well, we have an ICC chairman, albeit on an interim basis, from an associate member. Imran Khwaja of Singapore has taken the role after Shashank Manoa has stepped down from the role. Uh, there's talk as well that Imran will be running for it on a full-time basis, Colin Graves of England, and Surav Ganguly of India, the Indian legend as well, another name that has been thrown into the ring. But a man that I do want to talk about this with, and it's a man who has seen... Uh, well, he has seen the towers of the ICC, albeit from afar as an ex-CEO of an associate member country. Uh, and of course, one of our own here at EC, Tim Cutler. Tim, it's an interesting story that broke over the last 24 hours, caught us a little bit off guard. Um, but we do have an ICC chairman, albeit on an interim basis, uh, running the ICC from an associate member. Yeah, what a shock. I think we knew that there was a lot of conversation around the election of the new ICC chairman. Shashank Manahar had made it clear that he wasn't going to be standing again, but it looks like he's just decided to, to step aside and, and leave that position vacant so they can get on uh, with the task of electing his replacement. Uh, they still haven't decided how that will be done. Um, but, but like you mentioned, we have a a chairman of the ICC, the highest, probably the biggest job in, in world cricket from an associate nation. And that's the first time it's ever been for a non-full member. And that's great news. Yeah, well, I understand that uh, Imran Khawaja has done a lot of stuff at the ICC, maybe in the back rooms a little bit, not quite in the public eye, uh, helping develop the game from uh, a, a certainly different points of view. And, and some of the things that we have seen come to fruition over the last 18 to 36 months have been with him partly responsible. Uh, one thing that we haven't quite seen get off the ground just yet is the ODI Super League, which, which we'll talk about in a couple of moments' time, and, and that's been thrown into jeopardy. And there have been a few fan questions come in in regards to that. So make sure, guys, to get your questions in. In the comments section of this video, we will try and get round to as many as we can. But is this... I, I suppose that the pessimist in me, and, and I'm trying to be as optimistic as, as possible because I'm optimistic on, about a lot of Come things. Come on, be team, positive. Just because we have, you know, an interim uh, chairman in the ICC from an associate member, I have two questions for you. One, in the short term, what changes could he possibly impart, if any? And two, uh, once he does move into this role, 
how much sort of unified power does he get in the role? Because I think a lot of people from the outside and, and not quite knowing how the ICC is structured, there has been a lot of criticism thrown at the ICC, sometimes quite unsolicited considering all the different departments within the International Career Council. Mm. What changes do you think he can bring in the short term? Well, the first question about what he can do, not, not a lot as an individual. The, the chairman um, doesn't have presidential powers or powers of veto. The ICC board has 17 members. That means there's the 12 full members, three associate directors, the chairman, who is an independent position, and we'll come back to that, and also the independent female director making 17. And for any major ratified um, bill to pass or any any initiative that needs to be a two-thirds majority so it's not like he can come in there and suddenly make the world cup into 36 teams or or something like that um but to your point about about him coming in and him being in the in the in the background he's been around for a long time he was former president of the singapore cricket association but when i started working in hong kong cricket he was known as a consummate pro in the background and just and a great negotiator and i think that was shown when he was elected as one of the associate directors onto the board as he has been for a number of years um, and by virtue of him getting the most votes from the associate members he's also chairman of the the associate committee but the fact that he was also elected deputy chair of the ICC board I think speaks to how he's seen in the broader ICC world uh, he's been a key part of a lot of the governance reforms that we've seen over the, the past two or three years um, that dismantled the big three changes uh, and he was also credited with bringing Shashank Manahar back from the brink who when he was considering retiring after just one one two year stint as the ICC chairman so in my time at Hong Kong cricket and since I hear nothing but positive words about him and how good he is at bringing people together um, and he does have a broader view of, of the game at large so you know, I know we'll get to the point about talking about that the people who are potentially going to be throwing their hat in the ring for the chairman role, the chairperson role, because it could be male or female. Um, I think if he is to to go, it would be a real unity ticket, the fact that he's got support from so far and wide across the cricketing world. It could be a really interesting prospect if a representative from an associate nation did become the permanent or at least as part of his two to three year stint chairperson of the ICC. Yeah, well, looking at, at Singapore's performance both on and off the field over the last two to three years, I think it's quite clear that it is one part of the world and, and one country that has really enjoyed the, the last couple of years and enjoyed a lot of success on the field. We saw them compete at the T20 World Cup qualifier, you know, beating out uh, Nepal for that global qualifier spot. Uh, a couple of encouraging performances at that tournament didn't go through to qualify for the main tournament, but... I'm sure that, that Kawaja and, and some of these offsiders at Singapore have had a lot to do with, with the growth of Singapore cricket and cricket in the region. And, and Tim, you've been a part of that region and it seems to be an area of the world where we could potentially have an explosion of growth You know, once it is all harnessed correctly and we see a lot of uh, cricket being played against countries in that area. I know that the situation at the moment doesn't exactly um, bring itself to, to doing that, but... If we look to the future and we see, you know, the elections coming up and, and Manawa stepping down, Kawaja given the place on an interim basis, is this kind of the, uh, I suppose, the gesture of saying, look, you're the incumbent here, we want you to take the roles early, or is it just a makeshift role with Graves and uh, Ganguly, you know, waiting in the wings to, to jump on into that role, maybe not ready to do it just yet? Can you see him 
potentially having the influence in the short term to rally around the troops and to get the numbers to potentially be the man uh, for the ICC in the future? Yeah, well, like I said, it'd be great to, to think of him coming in and bringing sweeping reforms, but the reality is that's not going to happen. He's a, he's a caretaker in that position. I think Shashank has given the, the board some space uh, to consider who they will elect for the, the next chairman. And there's been some comments in, in Twitter uh, talking about whether um, Imran accepting this interim role flags that he may not be putting his hat in the ring for the for the main job when it comes up for elections. But I dare say, and I don't have the um, the terms and conditions of the uh, of the board in front of me, but I think that this might be the role of the deputy chair if, in this situation, a, a chairman does does actually resign. Uh, before the end of his or her term. So I think this is just run uh, at the mill for what, under the terms of reference for the ICC, but what could he do in that time? Look, I think it's just a matter of continuing the unity that's required about cricket's response to the coronavirus. Um, we've seen um, cricket's been quite quiet, I think, in waiting for certain things happening around the world with global events, and there's a lot of things up in the air, and I think there's a lot of action that needs to be be taken pretty soon on a lot of those things, especially the T20 World Cup men's event that is still scheduled for October this year in Australia. And as far as everybody's aware, that's still happening. And time is running very short, you know, even for people considering to be to be flying potentially within Australia to be, be thinking, thinking about booking tickets, let alone bringing countries from overseas and foregoing quarantine or having a, a a bubble around a certain facility to have quarantine. There's so many things to consider. And I think the the consensus is that we're going to see it postponed to 2021 and see the Indian men's hosted event that was scheduled for 2021 to put, be put to 2022. But there's still lots of things to consider for the ICC board um, and no decisions get made without this board seal of approval. Um, there's different committees reporting in development wise and also finance. Um, but in the end, this board needs to vote on basically everything that gets done in the ICC. Yeah, I'm sure that the people at the ICC have been scratching their heads trying to work out what the solution is into the future with everything put on hold. And unfortunately, it's meant that the funding for a lot of these associate members will have taken a hit in recent times. That There's no question that that's um, part and parcel of the situation that a lot of international cricket uh, teams and their governing bodies experience now on a, on a quarterly basis. But to look at some of the higher-end associate members, and they seem to be hit a little bit harder than most. Uh, they tied themselves to central contracts to a lot of their players. Uh, you look at someone like the Netherlands where they had the ODI Super League coming up where they were given the chance to secure some television rights. Unfortunately, that hasn't been the case with uh, no tournaments thus far. The hope is that that tournament will eventually be played uh, albeit, you know, later on down the track, and we will see uh, a series completed. We've also seen Zimbabwe uh, have their tour of Australia cancelled uh, due to the the COVID nineteen outbreak. And Harman Martin actually brought this up and make sure to get your questions out um, and sent via our comment section to to try and get them through. We'll try and answer every single one of them because there is a lot going on in the world of associate cricket, even when there is no action. Um, so given that the ODI Super League um, has been postponed in the meantime, what's the plan for associate cricket teams going forward? We know the Netherlands are in that tournament. Uh, Scotland is not. Uh, Zimbabwe were, as I said, about to play Australia in Australia, unfortunately can't do so. 
what can associate members do at the moment? Because it is a little bit tricky. Some associate members actually find themselves okay because they don't find themselves tied up to central contracts and stuff like that. But Tim, as someone who's been a part of an associate member um, at the high level, what does something like this mean? I'm, I'm sure that you have a little bit of experience um, in troubles like this. You might not necessarily have been directly involved with you know the SARS outbreak in Hong Kong, but it's something that has affected Hong Kong cricket before and we've seen it happen again with with the outbreak this year well we start with the the biggest concern of, of every ceo sitting there trying to, to run a cricket association it, it's funding and you know that the trickle down um sense of the funding from from icc comes entirely from money's gained from selling commercial rights especially that to do with the world cup and we've written about this a lot on, on emergingcreek.com where you can go and read about it but there's two billion dollars basically over eight years that is spread across the full members and, and the associates but that amount and the amounts that are paid over that period are all pegged to a an estimate of what is going to come out in the end of total income so if there's a, a world cup missed um, or something else that puts a pause on global cricket there's potentially going to be a lot less money coming in for, for everybody and we've seen that mentioned in the press and it's not just if there are fewer global events it's also if there are sponsors that get cold feet because not every sponsor signs on for a full eight-year cycle so those countries that are very reliant on events happening and also on that icc money are going to be the hardest hit and i think we've seen that with some of the bigger four members that had money pegged or at least um, relying on, a, on an india tour or something like that that's that, that is going to put them under a lot of pressure. Your, your larger associates are probably in a better position than most, um, depending, you know, if there's a lot less money coming from the ICC, that may put, put them under pressure. And likewise, if the government grants that they're getting um, are reduced uh, due to austerity measures that we're seeing in a lot of nations after coronavirus has, has impacted across the world. Um, but the, the thing is that hosting cricket matches cost generally cost money. Um, and I know Scotland is an example with a lot of their stuff furloughed. They're actually in a better financial position, not spending money on on playing cricket and also not having to, to pay staff. So it's, a, it's an interesting sort of catch me two position here with the cricket not playing. Some of these associations are better off financially, but then on the flip side, that's not helping any of these players and the teams or the game itself. If it's not happening, people aren't watching, fans aren't engaged and excited by it. But from um, a, an organized cricket point of view, it puts under pressure some of these global leagues that were supposed to have started or had already started. World Test Championship included ODI Super League, you've mentioned, and also the pathways for the next uh, T20 World Cups. Um, and we haven't even mentioned the Women's World Cup that we're supposed yeah. to have at the start of start of next year. That puts the game under a lot of pressure. We could see a lot of cricket trying to be fit in a very small space of time, which we're going to see casualties. And, and I think that's inevitable, definitely with full member cricket. If they're trying to fit in and the, the big guys are going to uh, dictate terms here. The IPL is the most valuable cricket tournament in, in the world. The BCCI get half a billion dollars a year in um, revenue from the sales of that those rights to star alone, let alone any of the sponsorship. Um, so that is is huge for them. That's bigger than the World Cup from an income point of view. But all this um, ODI cricket that you mentioned about the Netherlands missing out on, it could really find itself to be the victim of other things being prioritised for the likes of an Australia or England saying, look, we need to run this this India test series or, or we go under. And if we go under, you know, you, you don't want to get to a too big to fail situation. But if they're saying if Australia goes under, what is that going to do to the global game? There are all these considerations that need to be made. It really needs to be a, a team effort making these decisions about what's good for the game itself. You know, the associates who are part of pathway tournaments, both in Cricket World Cup League Two, which is the all ODI eight team league, um, sorry, seven team league that sits below the, the Super League and the Challenge League, 
probably a lot easier to fit in later down the line because they don't have any huge commercial contracts or events that that they need to be adhering to. So the associate nations are probably in a better position, and that will maybe even be better for the associate game because there'll be a lot more consistent cricket for these teams that are so used to playing cricket sporadically especially when you get down to the Challenge League and beyond, where although there's a lot more consistency about the, the league that they're playing and the teams they're playing against, those those leagues are still few and far between. I suppose one way the ICC future-proofed themselves, and they did it completely <laughs> without knowing what was about to happen in 2020, was that the Challenge League and Cricket World Cup League 2 and even ODI Super League were set to be run over multiple years, which means that hopefully once we do reach relative normality, that all of these tournaments can be played out with little to no consequences in the future. It would just mean that those competitions are constricted in terms of time and we see tri-series maybe in a, in a quick fire, quick succession where you know perhaps six teams travel to, say, Scotland to compete in two tri-nations almost back-to-back and things like that. There will be solutions to our problems. You know, we're, we're about to see international cricket at the test international level unfold in, in the United Kingdom with the West Indies Tour of England. But to look at the associate sphere, we've seen uh, a lot of domestic cricket being played on streams throughout the world, either through the European Cricket Network and relative uh, European cricket series. We've also seen the Bet Bada T-Tan Blast in Vanuatu. There's been action in Taipei, Tajikistan, just to name a few. Uh, we're about to see a T20 international series in Luxembourg between Luxembourg, the Czech Republic, and Belgium. So there hasn't really been much of a, of a vacancy for, for international cricket or, sorry, for, for cricket in general to be on these streams. But to bring it back to the Netherlands, uh, their top class is about to get started again. I just saw Ryan Campbell very excited to get back in action. They're out training today as well. We've seen a lot of action from the Netherlands. Um, there might be potential of that being streamed. We haven't received any information. But as we do move to relative normality, it looks as if a lot of these international teams are now training uh, properly and getting necessary game action. I think, Tim, it'd be fair to say that you can do all the net practice you can. Um, it doesn't quite prepare you for a match situation. For these Dutch guys now, uh, with top class of cricket around the corner, it means that they'll finally get some uh, match practice and some time in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point er earlier about um, perhaps getting these games in, in, in quicker by having some mega events, you know, the Associate World set up quite well for that. You know, if we look at somewhere like the U. UAE that, that hosted the concurrent final round of the World Cricket League Championship and Intercontinental Cup with the two, 2015 to 2017 um, league. You know, of course, the World Cricket League Championship, the Netherlands were cap, uh, were champions and that was what got them into the, the ODI Super League. And when you've got facilities like that in the UAE, that's an, that's an easy one to think of. But you can think about all these other countries that might have two grounds that might be able to run um, a lot more cricket there over a shorter period. And that will serve everyone because a lot more cricket out of the way, um, but also save money for for everyone concerned as well. But yeah, look, I think you said it yourself. There's nothing nothing better than getting out in the middle, and there's some great videos, especially coming out of the Brazilian women's team as well of them training um, in the backyard. And I, I I really enjoyed that. It's going to be quite strange going back to actually watching live cricket, going back to all this stuff that we'd really been enjoying and learning about these people and their personalities. I just hope the sort of the 
the new normal of watching cricket, we get to know and see the personality of these teams just as much as we have. And hopefully we see an explosion of interest in, in the emerging game from the way that they've been able to engage with uh, the, the social media across the world. But you just hope that people don't get a bit of uh, localization bias and only start watching the cricket nearer to them rather than at the moment we've seen people interested in the game all over the world. You know, the Vanuatu T10 blast made global headlines and in in newspapers that don't normally talk about cricket a lot because of them getting getting on the on the field and you mentioned some of those leagues that are popping up and these are names that we we don't hear too much about playing cricket not even on the pages of emerging cricket as well we're, we're scrambling around trying to find some information uh, Tajikistan for example has the uh, the former CEO of the Afghanistan cricket board um, running things there and we know where Afghanistan has gone in the global game so who knows maybe there's another sort of sleeping giant there coming there on the back of a, a pop-up T10 league and you know we, we haven't mentioned the European cricket series going on at the moment with cricket every day until December. You can jump onto YouTube now and, and, and watch it live or on the Emerging Cricket Facebook page itself with their partnership with, with, a, with European cricket. So, yeah, I think there will be a lot of players chopping at the bit. I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see the cricket media and how that changes just because of all the uh, the players and coaches that have all started podcasts or get guests on them, whether they're going to find time to continue these uh, once they start playing cricket again or, or, or not. Um, but I actually think it's been a bit of a, a, a golden little period here of some stories that really do scratch below the surface of the game. And I know there's um, quite serious, heavy topics in the background uh, across the across the world being approached in cricket as, as, as well. But if we move that to to one side um, to a point there like some of the stories about um, the, the game struggles and the people within it I think have, have been amazing I just hope that um, some of the pieces and, and journalists and that are, are looking to uncover these stories still exist after the, that the game gets back on the field because I really enjoyed learning a lot more about these places you know the um, Nick Friend um, and Sam at the, the cricketer have mm -hmm. been amazing. They did a follow-up story on Marley. You know, everybody knows Marley for being bowled out for eights and having statisticians calling for their statistics to be struck from the record. But there's a, a great story there about how a uh, Francophile nation started playing cricket. And that's what it's, it should all be about, about us learning these stories. So, yeah, it's going to be a bit weird when, when the game actually starts again. Yeah, people have been desperate to watch international cricket on television, but there have been a spate of streams around. And yeah, to bring up Mali, they're a country that were introduced to the game at the turn of the millennium. So within 20 years to have women's and men's international teams up and running, playing at a decent standard is admirable, no matter what the, the statistics might say. And given the advent of T20 international status, it will give the chance for people around the world to, to put their names into the record books. Uh, we saw an unbeaten double hundred in a T20, albeit in a, at a domestic T20 game yeah, in decent Cyprus. Out, really. So the records are continuing to be broken. It will be interesting to see what happens if a lot of the other sports around the place do find themselves in continued COVID trouble. I look to America and I, I struggle to see how the NFL will, will get going with 53-man rosters and, and bubbles around the place. I know that they're trying to get the NBA up in Orlando in a bubble, um, but knowing what basketball is like and how uh, how tight and how narrow the the margins of error um, can be in basketball, I don't know what the standard's going to be like. So you never know. We might just see a new audience from from new places and, and new faces watching you know the game that that we love and, and we've been harping on about for the last two years here at Emerging Cricket. At least, very excited to see what the future holds. Uh, will also be interesting to see how England and West Indies go about their test series coming up. 
we know that a lot of effort went into to making sure that got off the ground. But finally, and to bring it, I suppose, back to, to the associate sphere, as you said, uh, looking at guys who have been training around the world in, in you know, the most unconventional ways cricket cricketers have been some of the great improvisers in all of this and i think almost the well the, the most well-grounded as well uh talking or, or listening to, to paul sterling talk about how at ease he's almost been during this period because touring around the world in international cricket is very similar you get stuck in a hotel room uh, a lot of the time you don't actually go outside uh you do have to come up with your own regimes in terms of training we saw ollie Hare's in his full kit, full batting kit, rowing on a rowing machine, Cole Kutzer lifting bags of cement in his backyard. We saw PNG boys doing beat tests on a basketball court. Uh, spoke to Head out of Rasmus last week. And, and make sure you do go back and listen to that because it's a great chat. Talks about, you know, doing um, gym workouts and, and fitness stuff on, you know, play equipment in somewhere in Vindhook. Not really sure where. Never really saw that on our travels, Tim. But Associate cricketers are great improvisers and hopefully we can can see this, you know, this positive reaction and positive movement in training, albeit off the field, onto the field. To, to put, I suppose, you on the spot a little bit, and this is under the guise of or under the impression that we'll see this T20 World Cup postponed until next year and the Indian T20 World Cup pushed back a year after. I don't really want to move around that Women's World Cup because I believe or at least I think there's a chance that you could probably get that in the same spot. Are there any particular countries that might actually favour another year of preparation and, and hard work? Because I once thought, you know, at the start of this outbreak that the associate countries might actually have a bit more of an advantage because it's always the full-time, full-member nations who get all the practice, who get all the, the international cricket, get all the match experience, get all that time in the middle. And the associates are always playing catch-up. If we do move into the future and we have an international tournament with a lack of that proper regimented preparation, could you see the associates pulling off a couple of surprises in those tournaments in the future? Well, I don't think there'll be surprises, honestly. Um, you know, and you, you talked about some of the, the countries before um, and about us learning about their, their stories. I think it just starts with the fact that they're all playing international cricket. You know, all this chat about the ICC, we've got to point out again what a great decision that was to, to grant international status in the T20s, the fact that we know about all these games and the stats are being collated. But if we look at these emerging countries and, and their time, off the field and preparing, you're, you're right. The associates have always been kind of pulled from pillar to post, and and not the last ones being thought about. But in the end, you know, the tournaments and whatnot are made to fit in around the other major events, and they're used to having to um, just make do with what with what they're offered. And sometimes they've got players that are, are overseas at school and training um, separately anyway, and doing meetings over. Uh, video call as well to, to get some kind of team camaraderie and then come together and know they need to be there. It's almost like a mini um, franchise tournament about getting them together and knowing that they've, they've got a fire. So that combined with the fact that a lot of these full member nations aren't going to have seen a lot of these teams on and, and there's a lot more tape now with the, the great coverage that some of these events have got and um, the like, likes of a, a Namibia you know I, I can see Namibia going through the next round and pulling off one or two two mm -hmm. wins and I, to me it's not going to be a surprise because the talent's there 
but the advantage that the associate nations are going to have because they're going to be a lot better prepared about the teams they're coming up against. But if you're in, a, in Australia and you're trying to find um, tape on JJ Smith and where to bowl to him or JP Kotzer, you know, you're only going to have uh, so much information to go to because there's not most, uh, most of the games have not been televised, nor will the tape be, be available. So I think that's always going to be an advantage for, for associates, but I don't think that's what we want associates to live on the surprise factor. We want them to be, seen as as equals and to play as equals and to, to win and lose as any other equal would come but what should come with that is funding that's a little bit more equitable and representative of the skill that they bring as well but that's a common conversation for another day when we start talking about funding models and, and thinking about that it was interesting to see dave cameron the former president of cricket west indies being nominated by the uh, i think it was the um one of the american cricket museum about wanting him to be um throwing his hat in the ring i think i've said that four times hat in the ring don't worry we can always cut that out for the other uh, podcast version mm-hmm. um for the the the, the chairperson role, which I think is really interesting because uh, he lost the election for the presidency of Cricket West Indies to Ricky Skerrick, um, but him putting up his hand, uh, he could be seen as, as a, a fighter for the little guy. As he's spoken at length in the past about a, a more egalitarian funding model and more support for the lower four members, but also associates at large. I've had a, a few conversations with him about it. Actually, I know that he's, he's very, I think he sees the way that West Indies are in the world um, and, and the way that the, so, the associates looking up are, are very similar and want to, to support the game's growth. So it's it's going to be interesting to see as we look forward to see those countries preparing as to how they do cope with um, the short leading times. And, and, well, as you said, we can only hope that uh, we see them pull up some surprises. But to most of us, they, they won't be surprises because we know how much talent is out there in the emerging cricket world. Yeah, I'm glad you bring up Namibia. And again, talking to Herat Erasmus last week, make sure to catch up with that if you haven't watched it as soon as we're finished here. The team is so well-rounded. There's not a weakness in that associate team or in that Namibian team. But when you do look to the rest of the associates, I think in a time gone by, uh, we, we'd we see associate teams with a couple of really talented cricketers coming through, but not quite that full 11 to really mount a charge. But you look at the six qualifiers for this upcoming T20 World Cup and you struggle to find a weak link in any of the teams. So it's a much different ball game now. And yeah, if we do have that competition by some miracle this year, I think you're right. I think we will see the likes of Namibia progressing to the next round and up, you know, potentially causing a few upsets. We'll wrap it up now. Uh, a couple of things to, to promote before we do leave you tonight. Make sure to listen to our podcast tomorrow. Uh, we're chatting to... Danish legend Freddie Clocker, ex-county cricketer as well, doing a load of really important work in his Scandinavian region, uh, talking about his career uh, in the MCC Young Cricketers and then into his county career, his national career for Denmark, which has spanned 20 years. Um, We made him feel a little bit old talking about that on the pod when we recorded it, but we'll have that up for you tomorrow. And if you are one of our patrons and you can be one of our patrons from just $2 US a month, uh, you'll get an extended version of that podcast as well as the catalogue of extended shows that we have done thus far at Emerging Cricket. We've been mounting up a number of guests and I'm sure we're going to have some more great guests to talk to lined up, ready to go. But for now, on behalf of myself, Daniel Beswick and Tim Cutler with me, enjoy the rest of your night wherever you are around the Emerging Cricket world. Goodbye.